Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, Hofflings! It's me, Jasper William Cartwright, and I am joined today by... Jeremy Cobb, but Grace Kelly Miller calls me Cobberamy Job. <laughs> These are getting really inventive. Well done, Grace. Because, like, I don't uh, know what that was, but fine. Too st- <laughs> I think two strong entries. Two strong two, entries. Two very strong entries. Uh, <laughs> speaking of a second strong entry, hey, uh, I am that was a good segue. genuinely, thank you, I am genuinely so thrilled to announce that probably the most requested episode is finally happening because we have a guest returning, James Mendes Hodes. Welcome back to Three Black Half Legs. <laughs> What's good, y'all? I'm so excited to be back. Uh, I'm yes. feeling the pressure now that I found out that my previous episode was was popular. So, like on the one hand, like the ego stoking is mm, is dope. Great. But on the other hand, now I feel pressure to excel. Mm. You are a you are a three black halflings OG. Like it yeah. is like you you go way back. We did that first interview. Man, like you a were, while I think, our ago. Second guest that we ever had. I yeah, think- I think you might have even been like. I think, I you, think were you were the first the one guest. that we released, but the yes, second guest we ever we were, interviewed. We recorded. recorded. Wow. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, so you can tell me if my interview technique has gotten better or worse. Or Yeah, you tell us whether you think this was as good of an episode as last time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you be the All judge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I brought it, but you guys, I don't know, you're slipping. Uh, yeah, yeah. I used to think this show was good. I mean. <laughs> we black halflings just jumped the shark. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was that nickname that did it. Everything was downhill after. Cabaramy <laughs> yeah. job was the peak. It's all downhill from here. Yeah. All downhill. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you've been wild busy doing all kinds of really, really incredible projects, uh, which is so exciting to see. And um, it's like a genuine pleasure whenever we have an episode that requires me to dig through your website and I get to read <laughs> some of your work because it, honestly, it, uh, I can't tell you how informative I find it. And mm. I have no shame in saying that most of my opinions on this show are just regurgitated James Mendes Hodes opinions. <laughs> <laughs> like um, it's 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 like just you never me. left, James. You never left. Yeah, it really I'm just is. gonna stop. Really I'm gonna stop doing the audio versions. I'm just gonna just redirect people to you or or like edit together edit together your sound bites into like a magnetic hey, if you want poetry. me to do like dramatic readings of your uh, articles, yes. I'm totally down to do that. That'd be great. Like I'll do like a full Tolkien-esque reading of your Tolkien uh, article. Like I think oh, that'd be quite great. funny. <laughs> that'd be good. Like in the full Ian McKellen uh, voice, I think that'd be quite hilarious. <laughs> Complete with cutaways <laughs> to like Jasper in, in costumes, like dressed as an orc. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but like, dramatic but, reenactments d- of all the like different things you described. Like, Dress as an orc, but with like a robe on, sat by a fire, with like James's <laughs> articles in book form, you know. <laughs> Just thinking, be like, oh, who? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Where exactly that. Dungeon, dungeon masterpiece theater. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would you name yourself? Jasper, Jasper William Orkwright? Yeah, something like that, I think. Um, I'm your yeah, host, be- Jasper William Orkwright. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon. <laughs> Full Prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> this makes them even more black! Cake glitches and bitches! Lands in the cusp of a teaspoon? Oh no! On a nap. into something real big now. Today, we are going to focus on another uh, class. We've been doing these class deep dives recently uh, where we kind of dig in and we talk about a lot about the mechanics and how you can roleplay them and everything like that. But we got a little bit of a different take uh, today because we're going to be talking about the monk class, which, uh, as Jeremy said uh, very eloquently <laughs> off air, is one of the classes that probably comes with the most baggage uh, in, really uh, is. in, in a, in a lot of respects. the most racially charged <laughs> class. Yes. 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 Well, so there are some classes where you would expect there to be more race stuff, I suppose. Mm. Uh, so I guess the, the three that come to mind uh, are barbarian, druid, and maybe paladin. Right. Yeah, I was so thinking word, barbarian, maybe. Exactly yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. So <laughs> paladin. Um, I think there's a. I think there's a poster of an article about this about the paladin's ties to the Crusades and Christendom mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the ideal of the uh, the Western knight champion. Uh, and the the word paladin, of course, comes from. Uh, I think they were the they were Charlemagne's crew. Oh dang. Yeah. yeah, that's intense. Yeah, it's right. it's like the Knight Templar, uh, yep. Holy Knight. That's yeah, that's what it it's draw that whole idea is what it's drawing on. Right. So so that's I guess uncomfortably racialized in that I don't know. Maybe is it a race thing? Is it a religion thing? Is it both? But the, I feel the like construction a imperialism of, thing maybe. Right. Yeah. Because the just literal imperialism maybe. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. like that makes me think of like the song of Roland and the image mm. of Roland fighting against the Muslims and killing however many Muslims. And mm-hmm. so all of these constructions of Templars or paladins tend to be constructed in opposition to Islam. And then there's this idea of fighting over territory as if being better at martial arts than the other guys knights means that you get to own yeah, you, you, a continent you deserve now. it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there are some i guess uncomfortable connections there with the paladin um the the barbarian you would expect to be from a foreign land but it turns out they're just angry yes mm. exactly mm-hmm. angry yeah. hairy people right yeah. like i almost i almost wish it were more problematic i almost wish there were something to complain about there because <laughs> it feels no, like there should I, be well there have been people found stuff some people simply they don't even like the name of the class and they i don't know what they like they call it by a different name because they find the name itself offensive right so the name barbarian so that comes from a greek automatopoeia because the ancient greeks thought that everybody who didn't speak Greek sounded like people going bar 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 bar. Oh, yeah. bar. Okay, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's literally the etymology of barbarian, where we get this idea of uh, barbarians as as the foreigner. But I, I guess the problem with the barbarian isn't 
maybe isn't a specific race. It's the idea of the barbarian as the opposition to civilization. Yeah, uh, which mm, is mm. founded on this idea that some cultures are more civilized than others because they have, I don't know, metal yeah. and spreadsheets. I don't know. Uh, that's, that's what actually <laughs> takes you from the second world to the first world. And the barbarian doesn't understand pivot tables. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, they do. Just not when they're angry. Okay. It's you, when they're you angry, they get ex- you are automatically first world. Just automatically. Right. Yeah. 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 But yeah, if you look at the if you look at the barbarian's powers, they're not really racialized necessarily in in the at least not inherently if you look at the text of it there's all kinds of talk about totems and Mm -hmm. then if you look Mm -hmm. at some of the individual barbarian paths then we have some strong like noble savage yeah just savage Mm -hmm. um uh signifiers there although like i guess you could you could just make a barbarian who is from the city um yeah yeah i was uh I teamed up with a friend and she made a barbarian who was her name was Susan and she worked an office job and she had just so recently like the, she the was Gretzico. in the middle of a divorce. Yeah, she was in the middle of a divorce and had recently gotten in touch with like her rage. And so I think her her <laughs> weapon was like a purse, but it had oh, nice. it was like a it was like a reskinned mall. Uh, oh. And all of the all of the adventures would have taken place in her office building. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> she, I feel uh, like yeah. she definitely works in HR. Like whenever yeah. I see like <laughs> HR people, I'm always like, man, you just get like the rough end of the stick because you always got to tell people bad news. I would not doubt that like someone from HR would just eventually snap, like completely, yeah. just be like, nope, I've had enough. <laughs> she discovered yeah. her powers, I think, when she attacked her deadbeat ex his car with her purse and just <laughs> destroyed it. <laughs> right. That's some nice flavor. That's some nice flavor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and then so then the the druid I think I don't know like I I guess the I, I wish the druid were more Celtic but the the it's only the thing name. yeah the mm. only thing that druids have in common with actual Celtic priests is the name druid. And I mm-hmm. guess they have a sickle. That's kind of it. <laughs> Everything else is just nature magic, which, oh man, every culture has nature magic. Some exactly. culture, yeah, many definitely. cultures have nature magic. And then the only the only thing that we have that's actually Celtic is the word druid. So it's it's weird the way that a lot of these classes they get this name. And if you said that name to someone outside of D&D, they would have a certain picture in their mind if they've heard that word before. Mm-hmm. But then you look at mm-hmm. what it is in D&D and it's something completely random and unrelated. Uh, so then with the monk, yeah, the monk is, monk is the class which is very strongly and specifically racialized as a certain mm. kind of Asian fighting monk. Yeah, but like I, I read, uh, I think it was your article, Asian Representation in the Martial Arts. Yes. Where you go in depth. It's and are basically like it's not any one specific idea. It's from it's like bits and pieces slapped together from multiple cultures, right. uh, often very weirdly interpreted, uh, interpreted. Wow. Very weirdly <laughs> interpreted uh, in order to create like a basically I, I think it is fair to say that it's a very Orientalist idea of your the like the Asian martial arts hero. 
Exactly. Yeah. And it goes it goes along with all of the uh, artwork and everything as well. Like I literally just clicked straight through on D&D Beyond like onto the monk page and mm-hmm. like you you literally cannot escape it. It is it's so coded. It's it's unreal. So I guess that brings us to I just opened up Oriental Adventures cuz <laughs> oh no. I like to make myself sad. <laughs> we gotta we gotta send out we i, I think we're gonna need to send out the the cover of this adventure so that people can see oh uh, man it is yeah it's something <clears throat> everyone it's involved really... in the cover of oriental adventures looks so uncomfortable <laughs> mm. including the weird like lion horse yeah thing. is that supposed to be yeah. a kirin or it just it it looks like something that a child drew, and if a child honestly, drew it, I, I would... don't think they knew what it was supposed Why to be when they drew hooves? it. That's what I'm trying to figure out here. Yeah, it must. It's like they changed their they changed their mind halfway through about what animal it was gonna be. That's the head looks like like a Chinese lion or something. Maybe you know what right. I mean, if you've already halfway drawn something, just commit to it, even if it's really you know racially insensitive. Yeah, so the, the hind legs look like a horse, the hooves look yeah. like a horse, and then the it just has like a horse. Then it just has like a lion, like a, a stone lion head. I'd, yeah. I'd go further into say it even looks for me that even looks more cl- like closely to like a depiction of like a dragon's head. Maybe it's the dragon from the Neverending Story. That's the, genuinely, it, yeah. like In that's what it form. feels mixed it with feels the horse. To. He, yeah. It's like the horse from the Neverending Story was resurrected and combined with the dragon. Mm. Oh, and in some kind of here. Full Metal Alchemist situation. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is it's, it is white. It is colored white. So I feel like yeah, it's mm. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's there's I mean there's a, like obviously a lot to dig into with this cover, but like even down to like the color of my dude's skin riding this uh riding this beast it is something that like I immediately just looked at and was like, I don't know what what we're going for. He's is he a bronze man? Like is his skin actually made of, of bronze metal? Is it a I, mask? Feels, Maybe he's wearing a mask. I don't know that, that it, looks, it does look kinda like but a it's, samurai his hands mask. are the same. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing samurai armor, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. That's that's definitely samurai armor ish. The closer you look at it, the more that falls apart. The thing on his head. <laughs> I mean, it's not really a helmet. That's a tent with a hole cut in it. <laughs> it's just a very small tent. <laughs> missing the front flap, basically. It's a yeah. tent missing the front flap. <laughs> yeah, that's not a katana that he has. Well, no. Well, yeah, I, think it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's like halfway, but don't katanas. I feel like the position of the blade reads like it's a mixture to me, like uh, is like if you mix a katana with like another kind of sword, it seems um, I don't know. Well, part of the problem is that the blade facing is really strange. Um, the blade is, is so the the blade is pointed off to the side, but his fist is pointed forward. It's like when you open up an FPS and they change the alignment of the the firearm you're holding so you can see the whole firearm. But then it looks like the bullets are going out sideways. That's the situation mm. the samurai is in here. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the the most uncomfortable person involved yep. here is the ninja, <laughs> the barefoot ninja standing in clouds, wielding. Right. Is that like a? Is that some kind of like a dart weapon? Um, I think yeah, like, a like a rope dart. But I sure. think it's like it looks like someone described a kusari gama to someone else, but 
poorly and without any visual references. They were like, there's a chain and a blade and then there's a weight <laughs> on the other end. Just, just, it just. It's like if they were describing it to a friend in a pub like six months after they'd like heard about it in the first place. You know right, what I yeah. mean? Like it's, it's super, super general. Right. Um, and this, this, this person does not have any shoes and the way in which they're holding the Kusari Gama also doesn't, it looks like they're just holding the blade by the blade. I can't <laughs> tell whether there's a handle involved. And then on the other end, uh, oh, the, the ball has like a bunch of little spikes on it, which. Yeah. Like a um, flail. Mm. Yeah. That's what my first, first thought was. It was yeah. more flail like than anything else. <laughs> yeah. My guess is that someone, someone described a Kusarigama to someone else uh, without having an actual visual reference or the only visual reference was like a crumpled up page in a copy of Black Belt magazine from 1984. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very thing is that was probably yeah, I was going to say that's probably almost exactly what the situation was. Yeah. Uh, when they when they first drew this. Right. Um so, Sorry, can I just uh, the, the description you put underneath the picture in this article as well really has made me laugh because you said they even look vaguely embarrassed to be in this picture. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Like they genuinely do. Like it's just like they're really not committing to anything that they're doing. They're like everyone's just a bit like, oh, I guess we got to pose. Yeah. <laughs> like let's do the pose and then we can go get coffee. I guess. Like, yeah. <laughs> Even the building in the background looks like if it were making a facial expression, it would be making like the Kermit crumple face. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. Yeah, this, this is a very sheepish, uh, this very sheepish piece of art. Yeah. Yep. So uh, the reason I brought this up is that there's a guide to where the monk came from in the form of Gary Gygax's introduction to this book. Mm. Ooh. Um, so in in the preface written by Gary Gygax, I, I'm not going to go through all of the racist things said in this preface because that would be all the words in this preface. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, also, you know, this would have to be a five part podcast. It really like, would <laughs> probably um, be way too much to go into. Yeah. Mm. Um, but in in the second paragraph, he explains uh, and I quote Gygax oh in its early development, the D&D game. Uh, was uh, the D&D game was supplemented by various booklets. And in one of these, the monk inspired by Brian Bloom and the book series called the destroyer was appended to the characters playable. So too was this cobbled together martial arts specialist placed into the AD&D game system, even as it was being removed from the D&D game. In my opinion, the point clear certainly went to the Dungeons and Dragons game players. Interesting. Right. So as fans of my article will recall, the destroyer was I think it started out. Uh, actually, no, I can't tell whether it's comedy. It reads like <laughs> it's supposed to be a martial arts pastiche comedy thing. But I can't tell whether it's supposed to be serious or not. And then they made it into a movie featuring featuring some white dudes in yellow face. But it's about oh, no. it's about a white oh, man who has an, an Asian sensei and learns martial arts. Um, oh, from Iron kind Fist. Of, yeah, it's Iron I've Fist. I've seen that. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's same same model as Iron Fist or uh, Richard Dragon, uh, all, all those comic book guys. And. Uh, the martial arts are just from Asia, kind of all of it. 
There's uh-huh, Indian uh-huh. stuff in there, Chinese stuff, Japanese stuff, every just everything. And you know, it's weirdly similar to what we have in terms of the in terms of the monk today, right? Because uh, yeah, my article talks about where all the different signifiers come from. It clearly came from it clearly started with the idea of the Shaolin monk, which was all over American pop culture in the last yeah. half of the, the 20th century because of uh, shows like Kung Fu uh, mm-hmm. with David Carradine in yellow face mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, also, I the, watching uh, Shaolin Showdown was like my jam when I was a kid. Oh and like, yeah, and and that was like, yeah, the whole that was that whole premise. Wasn't uh, Kung again. Fu? Am I correct in saying that Kung Fu was originally conceived of by Bruce Lee, and then he got pushed out of the idea for the show and was replaced by David Carradine? Yes, that is correct. Wild. It was yeah. originally actually going to be Bruce Lee, and how awesome would that have been? But no, we got David Carradine Sick. instead. Um, mm-hmm. That's a that's a. That's an unfair trade-off. Why don't like who who signed off on that? <laughs> like, yeah, white studio um, executives. I think is the, is the oh, answer yeah, to that, that makes question. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think the monk is is really so. It's really similar to that. All these pastiches we're thinking of. It starts with the idea of an unarmed, uh, unarmored Shaolin boxer, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes from there into all kinds of really random directions, which are only tenuously connected or shouldn't really be connected at all. Like uh, today, when we get into subclasses, we're going to talk about, for example, the Kensei, which is th- that's a Japanese term for someone who's really good at fencing. Mm. There's nothing whatsoever mm. to do with monks at all, right. mm-hmm. even a little. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, then there's also the uh, the way of shadow monk. In the core book, which yep. I, I think that's just like a magic ninja. Yeah. Like when yeah. a ninja shows up in I, I mostly think of American comic books. I'm sure there's anime that, that does this also. But yeah, it's just a ninja. And the only relationship between monks and ninja is that they're both from Asia. Yeah. And then. Yeah. <laughs> And all the Japanese things, which I would expect to find on a monk, uh, such as uh, gunpowder, heavy weapons and heavy armor, aren't there. Nope. Mm-hmm. In fact, and you then, get penalized for right. uh, if you try to wear armor or anything like that. Because you There's lose the a samurai bunch of stuff. subclass for the fighter for that. Gosh. Play, <laughs> just go play the fighter. Just go play the fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Go play yeah. that one samurai subclass. <laughs> exactly. Which also, like if we looked at that, like we would get on an hour long tangent about whether or not this seems like a samurai yeah Uh, (laughs) Yeah. guessing the answer would be not really but is it true then that ninjas like contrary to the popular western idea of them and like those uh, classic like black suits that uh that they wear didn't like that's that comes specifically from like japanese theater isn't it like and it's not even because they were playing ninjas it's because like uh they were essentially the idea was because the person's dressed in all black they're not actually there you're not supposed to pay attention to them like that's the that and then didn't wasn't like i don't remember if i got this from your article or from somewhere else but like at some point somebody had one of those people dressed in all black pop out and kill a character in the story and the audience was like i don't think that's historically attested that that necessarily happened but it's such a cool idea that i, yeah. I continue to believe it 
anyway. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm willing like to suspend any disbelief because it's right. cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah an, an actual ninja on the job would either be fully in disguise as a gardener or a samurai or something, or they would wear a dark color that blends in with their surroundings. So there isn't much black stuff to blend in with out in nature. So you'd wear, you could wear dark green, dark red, dark blue, or Brown, white, yeah. of cor- right, mm-hmm. white in the winter, just whatever blends into your natural surroundings. Uh, but that's yeah, black. terrifying. The idea of a ninja chasing me down wearing all white in the snow. Oh yeah. <laughs> like that's truly like, I'm and like, oh losing boy. track of where they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like you lose them for a second and it is over. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, uh, uh, one of the ninja equipment books I, I have says that the, uh, the coat was often reversible so you could change it. So let's say you're on a, oh, you're on a winter cool. mission. So you have white on one side and then when night falls and then you're creeping into the castle or the town, then you switch the side of it to the dark color so that you can Sick. continue blending in. Uh, okay, I guess with, would it um, would it be fair to say then just to sum up the because I there may be if if they're not like a regular listener to this podcast or if it just never occurred to them that there might be some kind of an issue with the monk class would it be fair to say for the listeners that the the primary issue is not that there is a class called a monk per se nor that there is a class specifically drawing from Asian culture or tropes the issue is that it's a mishmash of completely misaligned, misused, misunderstood stuff th- written very much through uh, uh, the, the lens of people who are not themselves Asian, let's be real, are white people uh, almost mm-hmm. exclusively based uh, really not on any accurate representation of what's happening. And obviously it, there is a there it's you, you never want it to be 100 percent accurate because it's fantasy. But it's it basically seems like it was there was no real care or respect taken to draw the like to base things on the actual or excuse, what, what would be the best way to phrase it? There was no care or respect taken to pay respectful tribute uh, to the material that they were drawing this stuff from. Would that be a fair right. way to uh, summarize the, the fundamental issue? Yes. And one thing that I think uh, even our, our our listeners, even new listeners to this topic will notice is that when people talk about the monk and when people talk about cultural influences on the monk, there end up being a lot of half measures and kind of statements. So mm. everything about the monk is kind of from this one cultural influence. But then there's also kind of some influences from another culture. And so the way of shadow is kind of a ninja and the uh, the monk seems kind of like a Shaolin monk and the Kensei seems kind of like a Japanese martial artist. So it's in it's in this sort of uncanny valley in between all of these Asian signifiers. And mm. if there were if there were a class which picked one of these regions and or one kind of monk and just went hard into uh, that actual kind of monk and representing it well and getting all of the signifiers right or close to right, then I think I would be happier with it. But it ends up feeling creatively unsatisfying because it's a little bit of all of these different influences without mm. actually um, without actually getting all the way to the finish line with any of them. And so that's creatively unsatisfying in addition to being based in this uncomfortable orientalist assumption where the only thing that ties all of these kinds of Asian vaguely fighting related 
concepts together is the fact that they're Asian. I think that this seems to be something that we come up against uh, or come uh, uh, see quite a lot, which is that I don't know whether this is true in their case, and maybe this is being kind of like too lenient on uh, you know the people who who've made this over time um, or contributed to this over time. But like, I feel like quite often it's like almost like the rule of cool is taken too far, whereby I feel like we see quite a lot where people are just taking small bits from places because that's the cool part. You know that like that's or that's the bit that interests them the most at that time. So they take that little bit from there and they take that little bit from over there. And then that's where you kind of I feel like get this cumulative kind of uh, effect where everything just kind of gets piled into one weird like soup. Uh, and like we've, we've definitely seen that kind of that thing before where you're like kind of like going back to what you were saying about like the barbarian and stuff. It's like it's not. Like there's there's not one type like one specific thing that there is like is a huge glaring problem. It's the fact that there has been so many points that this has been drawn from because they're just like oh I like throwing stars and katanas so I'll take those and those even though they again like you said they could be com- from completely different places they could be almost entirely unrelated than some vague thousand mile radius of geographic location. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's, right. it's, it's that's it. <laughs> that is literally. There is one of the things that I most often advise people to do when they're creating something that has cultural influences or like, oh, they want to do an Asian inspired campaign is just to pick one place or one thing. Mm. Um, And it could even if you want multiple cultural influences, you can even pick the border between two places. You could pick like, I don't know. Uh, Okinawa and we're going to have some Chinese influences and Japanese influences and indigenous influences. It's um, Mm -hmm. so um, more often when someone tries to create an Asian inspired thing, um, you find something that's got like a little bit from all parts of Asia like this, and it doesn't feel culturally real. Mm. And, uh, if anybody out there is wondering, well, you don't have a problem with it when they do this with with Western stuff. I do have a problem with it when they do Western stuff. Actually, I think it would be instead mm. of if instead of fantasy, uh, uh, these fantasy settings being like vague mishmashes of everything from Europe, if they tried to yeah. if they picked like one or two countries and they were just like, well, we're just going to get Spain right or we're just going to get yeah. Poland right. Mm. I think that would be a lot more creatively satisfying than like uh, you got a little from all of Europe and it ends up just kind of feeling like nothing. That's yeah, because then your because then your ideas of those things as well get completely like warped and skewed, right? Because you like I think that. Uh, like if you take the idea of like a classic knight, like I should mm-hmm. imagine most places in Europe have had knights of some description before, but I feel like now it's like just a homogenized kind of, uh, you know, silver armor on a horse, big broadsword. And I can imagine that in some places that probably couldn't be further away from like their, you know, depiction of a knight, like in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you were to ask anyone what a European knight looks like, that's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Also so you just right. different eras. Like that's often, what I like, mean. Hug, yeah, separated yeah. from hundred by hundreds of years, different yeah. kinds of armor just mashed together. But then yeah. that affects and there's only, the there's only the one kind of yeah. horse. Like yes. Everyone, yes. Out, there who, everyone yes. out there who knows horses is like, why is it just Frisians? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's yeah, and then if you're a peasant, you can have a draft horse, and that's it. That's that's the yeah, only. Yeah, I was horses. gonna say yeah. Unless you're pulling a cart, in which case it's a draft horse. It's yeah. just some huge yeah. uh, monster like of a, a horse. <laughs> So yeah, the and then there's there's the problem of the name of it. Again, if you were explaining 
what's going on here to someone who doesn't know D&D. So you're like, so there's a paladin, there's a, a fighter, there's a wizard and there's a monk. And they're expecting you to like stay inside and illuminate manuscripts all day. Well, that's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. I think if you said monk to, I think, uh, I think you'd get a, a clean 50 50 split of people thinking, wait, hold on, how come you have a monk and a cleric? Like, I guarantee yeah. you, a lot of people would think the monk is effectively what the cleric is. Yeah. Right. They're singing, they're singing beautiful music uh, in yeah. these chapels and, yeah, yeah. yeah. things down and singing our like parallel organum. And yeah. So, Absolutely. So that's. Um, that's also weird because like D&D, again, it's in this kind of space with a lot of the religious influences on it. So mm-hmm. a monk could come from a monastery. You'd think that the word monk implies a monastery, but there isn't really anything about religious practice or uh, no. like doing mysticism alone in your cell or walking mm-hmm. around and ministering to the people. Like that's not represented in what monks do except with maybe like a couple of subclasses yeah some of them have got a bit of flavoring in that kind of direction but it's definitely it's more of a like a dedication to your ability and your you know prowess and you know reflexes and you know as opposed to any anything else anything more tangible which i guess is them i don't know my guess would be this is them trying to make them make the monk kind of fall in line with the other more martial classes that do you know what i mean that like exist in the game like fighters and barbarians and do you know what i mean um unlike the spellcasters which uh, you know tends to have that kind of connection to uh, 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 something other you know right and then the so the the only thing that really ties all of these things together, aside from vague Asianness, is the idea of martial arts. So all of these, all of these different subclasses, they aren't really monks necessarily. No one's gonna. There's nothing about this that constrains your character to come from a like come from a monastic background. Like mm-hmm. you could just as easily come from a boxing gym or yeah. something yep. like that. Uh, you know, a sumo yeah. stable, whatever. Uh, yeah. It's just martial arts. But then there's another kind of where when you look at the idea of martial arts, it's like, wait a second. Almost everybody in this game fights. Yeah, they Almost all everybody are they're all martial arts. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if someone came up to you and was like, yeah, I spend a lot of time every week training with armor and weapons such as swords and axes. And uh, then you'd be like, oh, so you practice martial arts. And <laughs> in any other context, the person would be like, yes, indeed, I do. But no, indeed, indeed. The fighters would be like, oh, no, I'm not a martial artist. You want this guy over here mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. no armor and no weapons. Yeah, he just punches things. <laughs> Who's running right. directly into, like, longbow fire. <laughs> like, right, exactly. <laughs> but he's so fast, though, he can dodge it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or catch them. Yeah, he can just catch right. them and throw them back. He can catch them and throw uh, them which back. Which actually brings me to a point that I, I'm surprised we haven't actually said so far. Uh, I've heard this class described as essentially anime, shounen anime, the class. And I think that that's very much reflected in its like subclasses where you can literally point to, uh, especially for early subclasses, which anime they might have gotten stuff from. For example, Sun Soul, you could easily Mm. say Dragon Ball Z. Uh, four yep. elements oh, uh, avatar yeah very That's clear. avatar yeah uh yeah. can say any number of like i guess ruoni kenshin or any number of like sword kenshin bleach yeah. i guess maybe yeah, yeah. anything I've... sell yeah uh astral self jojo's bizarre adventure uh mm-hmm. like uh, a lot of people would uh, say um the shadow monk to some degree naruto to some degree mm-hmm. open hand uh fist of the what is it fist of the north star 
to the extent mm-hmm. that they literally have the omaiwa mo shinneru ability, <laughs> like at level seventeen, straight up. Yeah, uh, which is actually one thing that I'm go- I was I'm going to talk about that subclass. But uh, yeah. uh, drunken master as well. That's probably like I don't know. I'm thinking it's um, based on Jackie Chan movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I was say, it literally is just a specific is, Jackie yeah. Chan movie called well, Drunken like you Master. Can easily make a, a thing for One Piece, though. I feel like that's like Drunken Master's got like Lo- is it Lofi or whatever? What is the guy's name? Luffy, in One Piece. I think. Or Luffy? Luffy? Yeah, Luffy. I think. Yeah, I feel like he has a, a, a that that going on with his stretchy uh, fists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it feels like a Western view of like an anime version of all of mm-hmm. this stuff. That's mm-hmm. that uh, mixed in with uh, martial arts movies. So right. like combine that with like Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan, and I feel like like anime mixed in with those guys, and I feel like you have an idea of what they're going for with the monk. Yeah. Mm. So again, and then you look at these like, well, what's the only thing that ties them together? Well, they're Asian and they're fighting. So, and I think yeah. it gets into that thing of the, the 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 vagary of it is I think is where again it starts to feel just super uh, inauthentic and then offensive because like like you said like like martial arts somehow sort of belonging or being something that that only these sort of fighting Asian people can do is just. It's like it's 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 absolutely but it's the colloquial it's, meaning. It's the colloquial yeah. in, in at least in America, and I think in the UK as well. The colloquial meaning of the phrase martial arts or martial artist refers to somebody who practices Asian martial arts. Right. Uh, most people haven't heard of like HEMA, historical European martial arts, which is an organization where they study like old manuals, fighting manuals and train uh, using like historical European uh, weapons, armor and techniques, uh, right. which is really cool. It's worth checking out. Um, yeah. If you, yeah, but um, I, here's an I, here's an idea. Instead of us just talking about the sp- uh, where the class went wrong, how about we try going through some of the specifics of the class and suggest? Well, I guess let me start with this. Do you think that this class, in and of it, in its current form, is salvageable in terms of like? It, from where I'm sitting, it seems like a lot of the specific mechanics are probably fine if you call them something else because they don't necessarily have to be. It seems like the flavor of a lot of it is more specifically orientalist than the than the actual abilities themselves. So this is something that I've I've thought about before. And so many things in I forget which one of my friends it was. Um, but I, I know it's I know it's someone I know. I remember seeing this conversation on Slack somewhere in some nerd Slack or other um, about how D&D has become kind of its own genre. Mm-hmm. And there are these tropes mm. from D&D that started out somewhere in the first or second edition somewhere. Uh, and you can see the creative influences on them. But several editions in by the time of fifth edition, um, the idea of a D&D barbarian or a D&D monk or a D&D paladin has sort of mm-hmm. become its own uh, it's sort of become its own self-referential thing where mm-hmm. people expect to see it because it's been in previous editions. Mm. So, uh, so I think the, I think every individual thing in the D and D monk should be in the game somewhere, but it confuses me that they're all sorted together into this one weird monk category. So sure. I think that, I, I think that, so first of all, like starting with unarmed combat, I think any I I don't see why fighters and rogues can't do that. Yeah. It seems yeah. like there are forms or of unarmed barbarians. combat that would make that would make sense for 
uh, almost every class to have in, in some way. Um, Which they actually added. They added to the fighter now. You can you can now have the unarmed fighting style, which at lower levels is, is arguably more powerful than a monk. Than the monk. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that if if the things that are currently in the monk were distributed uh, across the other D and D classes, so that there were multiple ways to do unarmed combat, multiple ways to draw on uh, like mystical martial power sources, although there's orientalist problems with that too if there were mm-hmm. multiple ways to be this kind of mobile or to create a, a light armor build or or no armor build that were that was viable for for other classes um yeah i would just love to see the monk um i don't know trust busted <laughs> mm, yeah yeah we need a, yeah, we need a D&D that, theodore roosevelt to come <laughs> and break it up and right. redistribute the monk elements to other classes. Uh, yeah, yeah, to break the monk's monopoly on all of the stuff that's in the monk for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is funny. It is funny because we've actually come across this quite a few times with different deep dives as well. Where like we literally like will come across some something in a in a subclass and be like, it just it like even just on a mechanical basis, even if we remove ourselves from the kind of uh, you know from the discussion at large about the, the monks, it's like even just from a mechanical basis, you sit there and go like, but it makes no sense as to why other people wouldn't be able to do this. If you're a skilled fighter, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like you have you are a trained fighter who has you know uh, done all these kinds of things. Like it makes absolute no sense to me that you wouldn't be able to attack as a use to punch as a bonus action instead of using a sword or a dagger like that's bonkers that it's somehow harder for you to swing your fist than a sword as a bonus action like even if you just look at it from that perspective it's like what like it's really it doesn't make any sense (laughs) right so many things about so for all that you complain about the druid almost everything about the druid has to do with nature magic Mm-hmm. Mm. There is there is a there is a an Edgar Allan Poe unified effect to the things that are involved in the Druid. Uh, as mm-hmm. weird as the wizard is, um, uh, as a as a concept, like all of the stuff has to do with arcane researching and casting arcane magic. But with yeah. monks, I feel like there are so many things here where it's like, okay, I want to be a monk because I want to do this one thing. Okay, great. But in order to do that, you also have to stick all this other stuff on it, like. Purity of body at 10th level, your mastery of the key flowing through you makes you immune to disease and poison. Why is that there? Yeah. What is that from? (laughs) It's so weird. It's so weird. Like, because again, as well, like it's I think what feels weird for me and genuinely something that I feel like I'm thinking about as we're having this conversation now. But like even like the source of key points is just so wildly vague. Like I've never stopped to be like. Where does that come from? Why do I have like a pool, like a, a limited pool of a power, a inner strength? It's like right. it's so un like with all pretty much all other like especially the martial classes. There are some basis in like oh there, there's a way in which that works. The rage thing, it's like right okay I can I can just suspend some belief in the sense that I'm like yep yeah, they get so angry they just feel the damage less and they're probably, maybe they're gonna feel it later or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Action surge, you know, uh, second wind, all that kind of stuff. But key points is just like you just have them, and but they are limited. 
You know what I mean? It's like, it would almost make more sense if it was like a potion you had to drink or something. Do you know what I mean? If it was like some kind of like physical attribute boost that you were giving yourself, because it's just weird. Well, they're like sorcery points. They're essentially like sorcery points. But but at least with sorcery points, it's like there is a tangible connection to the fact that, you know, you have this, you know, magical bloodline and through that you have a, you know, a well of power or something. Whereas there is Mm -hmm. just no real... Except just vague or Asian mysticism. Yeah, right. Like, that's where the purity of body thing definitely comes from. It's like, oh yeah. yeah, this person is so in touch with the way that the universe works that they are able. They have ascended above de- uh, beyond disease. Uh, but this is, they, I mean, this is what I mean. I think about like picking out like just the cool things. It genuinely feels like someone googled like Asian legends and then like s- found a story about a, a, a monk in in somewhere in Asia who just concentrated really hard and cured themselves of something. And they went, okay, cool. And it's just like but right. that, it has no tangible the, basis. There's stuff in the Taoist canon that having to do with internal alchemy and Chinese medicine that. Uh, relates to ideas like not having to eat or being able to empower your body by the means mm. of breath. Uh, but uh, the the version of key that we have in the 5e player's handbook is less flavorful than the version of key in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> there is, yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I, I think you're exactly right. It's just a generic battery. And the only mm. thing about it that connects it to the monk is that it's called key. Yep. which infuses it with generic Asian-ness. And yeah. I think just so that, because if, if a person has just straight up not read anything about the monk, it would be worth us at least going through a couple of the abilities. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the monk, clearly designed to be a martial class. They don't really get ranged. Well, some subclasses get ranged attacks, but they're yeah. not a ranged attack uh, subclass by and, or uh, class by and large. Uh, they get 1d8, which makes them kind of fragile. Yeah, uh, bit squishy. It's it, it a little squishy. That's the same <laughs> as a rogue, but they don't have as many. They have some options, but I would argue not as reliable necessarily to avoid damage as the rogue does. Which no, is also and kind rogues of get like really good abilities like yeah, uh, evasion and, and kind of dodge and stuff like that. Yeah, um, which, which thankfully again, kind of evasion, earlier but. than monks, right? Yeah, yeah it, the monk never gets uncanny dodge, and then uh, I, I don't remember if they get evasion at the same. They get evasion at they, the same. They level. get evasion at seventh level. Yeah, but okay, right. start it. Yeah, you start with that. Uh, your hit points obviously is a D8. Um, they have That's no just... arbor proficiencies, uh, <laughs> which is very much like, yeah, it's anime, uh, which is uh, there's plenty of anime where people wear armor, but clearly these not the anime that these people were watching. I, sorry, um, just to really quickly jump in, uh, just uh, like the, the this, I think that's another thing that is so strange about D&D, whereby there seems to be this thing where they have to enforce you into a certain way of playing because, like, that's the way it's meant to be kind of thing. Hmm. Like, it seems it's so counterintuitive for me. Sure, you can encourage people if if you think, like, if if they were going for that kind of thing, they can absolutely just say, most monks don't wear armor because uh, they get this bonus or this bonus, whatever. You can make up whatever kind of justification you want. Hmm. But, like, to actively remove the ability for someone to wear armor it, well, it's a balance again, thing it's a balance it's, thing it's like yeah. what they do for wizards mm. uh and other stuff like that like it's it's they're try- the idea is i guess the in this case they're trying they would think that um you could argue from a mechanic standpoint that maybe if a monk's ac could if a monk could get their ac like above 20 uh that 
It would ruin my games, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They're not even they're only they're only uh they're only proficient with simple weapons and short swords. So not even all martial weapons, which is also very annoying. Uh mm. you get an artisan's tool or a, a musical instrument. Your saving throws are strength and dexterity. The strength one is weird to me because the monks monks are built to be purely dexterity and wisdom. Yeah. Most people are gonna be dumping strength, or a lot of people are gonna be dumping strength if you're playing a monk. So mm-hmm. I don't it's nice to have that proficiency, but I feel like a wisdom saving throw would make much more sense for this class. Uh and then you get skills, two skills from acrobatics, athletics, history, insight, religion, and stealth. Again, I think that tells you the flavor that we're going for right now. Uh right. It's, can I just break in and please talk about this dexterity problem? Please do. I mean, if Absolutely. we were to like I recognize that this problem is bigger than just the monk, but the way that D&D divides things into strength versus dexterity, like what has to do with strength versus what has to do with dexterity. Yes. Is at least 50 percent of the time completely opaque to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The idea that monks or martial arts are all about dexterity and then don't have anything to do with strength. I don't I don't get it. Um, this is the thing it doesn't make any actual sense if anyone who has done any kind of gymnastics let me tell you that ain't (laughs) strong it is strength to i i I remember i did i remember doing i literally did handstands like every day for like a year and my back was like ripped i was like my back was strong because it is all strength based. The dudes who hold the rings, you know, they do like the the the, oh the cross pose. That is possibly one of the most impressive feats of strength I've ever seen. But I feel like in D anD D, that would be like a dex it's check, acrobatics. right? Yeah. Like to do a uh, to do like those somersaults and then be able to hold yourself. Like that would be a dex thing. Those and it, dudes yeah. look like Spider Man. Literally look like right. Spider Man. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's called all dex. The idea that there's. There are all of these tasks in D&D for which you need uh, one of strength or dexterity, but not the other. Just <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Is not recognizable from like any real world athletic practice. Well, I think basically if you had like max dex and like no strength, you'd basically be like a really malleable kind of like bag of soup. Like, do you know what I mean? You'd like <laughs> super flexible, could fit into like weird places, I guess. But like just wouldn't have any definition or muscle mass at <laughs> An all. Like, it, it, contortionist. Yeah. I would have like... like it's I was so going to joke that it would make you a yoga instructor, but no, yoga instructors have muscles. That's so like, that's strong. Nothing yeah. strong. Like, yeah. To hold those poses is incredibly yeah. hard. Like, it requires yeah. so much strength. <laughs> yeah, the two are absolutely not mutually exclusive. It is wild, no. the fact that they could be. Uh, I, I, the only one I would say maybe you could make you can make a case I feel like that strength you could be strong and not necessarily dexterous because sure. you're effectively just like you know when Arnold Schwarzenegger was so big you probably couldn't touch his head kind of thing like fine mm. like that that for me is like a strong person who lacks dexterity um, but but even some of those dudes are weirdly flexible. No, that's what I mean. There probably are, but I'm saying there is a, I feel like there's a version of that which makes anatomical sense, whereas yeah. there, there just doesn't, there's not a version of a person who is extremely uh, dexterous and is not strong on in some way, you know? Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's just like the ideal of strong. Like you wouldn't maybe look at Simone Biles as being strong, but my God, she is <laughs> yeah. way stronger than you, bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do you exactly. know what I mean? Like, yeah. So the idea that all these monks are just skipping leg day 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> and arm day. They're skipping. How, how, how are you jumping in the air like this right? if without the leg muscles required, without the strength of leg to launch Jeffrey, yourself? You didn't into know the air. that that jumping ability is based on your flexibility. That's that's purely what it <laughs> no, is. I think with monks, it's based are. on your key, right? Like you just you can <laughs> right. key jump. Sadly, there is. I don't think there's a key empowered jump. But uh, okay, this is actually I, I I agree with you, especially in the case of the monk Jasper, in the sense that I feel like um, the way they've built this class is overly tied to its ability scores, yeah. specifically dexterity and wisdom. Uh, yeah. Everything in this class is based on your dexterity and wisdom because mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. because you're very limited in what weapons and you can't wear armor. Uh, this we get to the ability unarmored defense, which is the first notable ability. Yeah, ba- when you are. Uh, wearing no armor and not wielding a shield your ac equals 10 plus your dex modifier plus your wisdom modifier so it's mm. similar to like the unarmored defense for the barbarian where you're where it's like your strength modifier or no it's your dex modifier plus your con modifier i think with barbarians yeah, or profic- but, no it's not proficiency because but they're proficient with shields armor, whereas yes. monks are not proficient with armor or shields and i think barbarians can wear some armor mm-hmm. um they can i think they can wear like up to Medium armor, although they they often don't. Uh, I mean, this is is a a hilarious thing to point out. The idea that a monk is so good they can literally catch an arrow mid-flight, but they could not use a shield to put in the (laughs) way of it in the the arrow. Like, that is comically (laughs) hilarious when you think about it. They couldn't maneuver an entire shield in between it and the arrow, but they can catch it mid-air and throw it back. Yes. To do damage. Or harder, potentially. <laughs> it's um, so wild, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess as a, as a pointer, if you're gonna play a monk, definitely play something with good with bonuses to Dex and Wisdom. Yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> so we're talking elves, we're talking halflings, um, especially Ghostwise halfling because that's like a plus two to Dex, plus one to Wisdom. Or- or you could just not use race-based ability scores. Yeah, or that. We, yeah you can we just always go say, full Tashas, yeah. which is yeah. what yeah. we always Always go full Tashas. Yeah. Uh, when, yeah. if, if, if the option is available, always go full Tashas, in always my opinion. Go yes. And the Aarakocra, which is the most broken monk ever. Oh, yeah. Uh, Wild. Because yeah. you can you have the flying speed, you get a plus two to dex, plus one to wisdom, but you also start off with a 50-foot flying speed, which with a monk <laughs> means that you end up getting truly laughably fast. Uh, by the end of it, but um, you're like a peregrine falcon by the end of it. Like yeah, you're just zipping up. around that battlefield. We interrupt this program to bring you a special announcement. Today's regularly scheduled Three Black Halflings Monk Deep Dive goes on for another goddamn hour. Another hour! (laughs) As such, we have deigned to separate this into two parts. Part two will be released next week. Isn't that right, co-anchor Jasper? Yes, it indeed will be released next week. But if you can't wait until next week, then why don't you slide on over to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash TV Halflings, where you can get the other half right now. Yes, and check out our guest, James Mendes Hodes. Just Woo. Google his name and things will come up and you should click them. Yes, please do check out James Mendes Hodes for all of the incredible things that they do and all the things that they are up to because they truly do drop these pearls of wisdom without whom we, well, we're standing on the shoulders of giants wouldn't you say? <laughs> Absolutely. James is a proverbial clam. He is a clam of advice. Just doling out, just doling out pearls. 
one after another. Irritations come in, he develops them into pearls of wisdom, and then rolls them out. And that's what this episode is. So that is all for this week's episode. Uh, I want to thank you very much for listening. Uh, Jeremy Cobb, where can people find you on the Tinterwebs? Uh, they can find me at uh, on Twitter at Jeremy Cobb. That's Cobb with two B's. Excuse me, Jeremy Cobb 1. The number one mm. Cobb with two B's. Woo! And you can find me at JW <laughs> underscore Cartwright. And you can find the show at the number three Black Halflings. That yes. is the number three Black Halflings. Halflings. But I hope you've enjoyed this uh, week's episode with James Meadows Hodes and you're looking forward to the conversation beginning or carrying on next week. Whee! So, for now, so, so long, long shy folk. folk. It's about that time that we thank some of the incredible people that have signed up to our Patreon. Uh, what if I told you that right now there is a bonus episode with James Mendes Hodes on our Patreon right now? In fact, there's two bonus episodes so you get part two of this particular episode and you can get yourself uh, another episode on world building that we did with james mendes hode so that will be coming out to the main feed eventually but right now it is only available over on our patreon so go and check it out but let's read off the list and thank some people who are getting access to that content right the now so thank you so much to drew fitzpatrick nicholas stevens d wayne heath Paige saunders Vashgard, Adrian Vance, Victoria Notme, Helena Heiser, Jared Estes, Navar Jackson. Yes, Navar Jackson. You will be hearing from Navar very soon. I would also like to thank Jay Rodriguez, Katarina Cochran, Obishen Shinobi, Joseph Ruiz, Christine Ellis, Joshua Isagri. Hope I've pronounced that right. I'm hopeful. I tried to check the pronunciation on that one, but let me know if I get it wrong and I'll redo it. Lake Boss, Mikira. Thank you so much to all these wonderful, wonderful people that have signed up to our Patreon. Uh, we really appreciate all of your help. We're doing so well on the Patreon right now, and we are uh, looking like we're going to head towards a really exciting stretch goal, which uh, we shall be announcing very, very soon. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>